This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. The hype of the podcast Sold a Story has created a buzz around schools, education circles, and honestly, just my Instagram feed has been lit up by this podcast. Sold a Story is a podcast by American Public Radio Production and specifically by Emily Hanford, who investigated the authors that promoted ideas about how children read, even though those methods have been proven wrong by cognitive scientists decades ago, those ideas have still held in our schools for a long time. And what she uncovered has really started this conversation. However, for many of us, we've been having this conversation for years, whereas this podcast is bringing to light a lot of things that some of us didn't know. And it comes with so many feelings and emotions because this job is so personal. When we make decisions in our classrooms, those decisions are well-intentioned. I believe that about all of us as educators. We make decisions in our classroom with the hope to inspire our students, to empower them, to go out and do good in the world. And we make decisions in order to equip our students with everything they need to be successful. However, there is so much that goes in to those decisions that we make. So much that's out of our control. When we're making decisions for our classroom, we have to deal with a laundry list of things that is out of our control. Things like the curriculum our district provides or the curriculum they don't provide. The decisions that the district or the school makes based on contracts and money. Publishing companies. Our decisions are also influenced by our real-world experiences and our research. Our decisions are influenced by our own knowledge and understanding and our capacity to learn something new within our time constraints and our very overloaded schedule. But what this conversation from Soul to Story has brought up most for me is change. Go listen to episode 20. It's called uh, The Biggest Decision I Ever Made. And it's all about change. And it's okay to change, to learn something new, to be alerted to a different way of thinking, and to decide to do something differently. You see, 
several, several years ago, I was a part of a school-wide professional development by a really smart woman who came into our school and completely rocked our world on how to teach reading. And I know this is a math PD, but go with me here. I was completely blindsided by the things that she was sharing with us, the quotes and the research, and a new approach that was aligned to Common Core State Standards, and it was really focused on increasing the rigor and showing me, really opening my eyes, that balanced literacy was not working for my students. It wasn't pushing them and holding them to high expectations. This PD opened my eyes to the balance of literary and informational text that's needed in classrooms that wasn't happening. It showed me that a mindset of this idea that students can, with the right supports, needed to start happening more in reading and in writing. This week-long PD showed me tools and gave me time to create those meaningful reading and writing experiences for my students. But it was very, very different than how I had taught before. And it pushed me to change. And it's also just completely okay, right? It felt so hard. And I hope you go and listen to episode 20 because I talk about kind of this cycle of change that we all kind of go through. But that is an experience I just wanted to share with you of like a PD that actually provided me not just with the information, but the research behind it and kind of gave me the time and the tools to make it all happen. But I also want to say it's okay to call for change, to ask the hard questions of our administrators and our districts, and to ask for the curriculum, ask for the training, ask for the time and the tools to make those changes. One big change is we make sure our decisions are supported by research. If Sold a Story told you anything, I hope that what stuck out to you was that our decisions in our classrooms must be supported by research. I love a teacher education book. It really helps like illuminate the instructional practice and shows what that can really look like in a classroom. However, as teachers, we have to make sure that those approaches that are illuminated beautifully in our teacher education books don't just work in some classes, that they don't just work in the classrooms that are highlighted in the book, but they are actually backed by scientific research. And speaking of teacher education books, a book that changed me is Children's Mathematics, Cognitively Guided Instruction. It is a research study that was done with children starting at the beginning of their school age through 12th grade. And this study followed the students and really studied how they learned math. It's dense. It's full of study lingo. You know what I'm talking about? Very sciencey. But it provided me with that why behind my instructional strategies, the ones that I was choosing to use in my classroom. And so the decisions I was making and still do make in my classroom 
are research-based. This research showed that children have ideas about math and intuitively know how to solve problems from a very young age. This research also showed that as educators, as facilitators of our students' learning, we have to spend time listening to children's thinking to understand how they solved so that we can then build on what they already know. Okay, you see, I was first introduced to CGI, Cognitively Guided Instruction, through a math consultant at my school. Shout out to Linda Grine. She was so masterful at facilitating CGI and was all in on coaching me to use this strategy in my math classroom. I instantly fell in love with so many parts of the process. I instantly trusted her that this was what was going to help my students meet and achieve standards. I loved the idea that it was all about trusting our students to make meaning, using discussions to get students to higher order thinking skills through describing their math thinking and talking with other students about multiple approaches to one problem. However, I didn't know why any of this worked better than the math curriculum worksheets that I had been churning out for the last four years. So she handed me this book, Children's Mathematics. And I read it in a road trip. And it wasn't a very long road trip. Um, Then at the time, my boyfriend and I, he's now my husband and the father to my kids. But at that time, we we were driving from Chicago to Door County, Wisconsin. And we had just been dating for like a few months. And I quickly realized that Chicago driving is a genetic thing. And he had definitely gotten his dad's driving genes. So I just decided I wasn't going to look anymore. So I pulled out this book to read. And I read it cover to cover from Chicago to Door County. And let's just say I was inspired and blown away. My mind burst with ideas about how CGI... The CGI research, I should say, could come alive in my classroom. And I was even more excited to continue to learn strategies on how to facilitate students' discovery and inquiry into math. So all this to say that you should always back up your instructional strategies that you choose with research. And when you know the research, it gives you the why behind the what. It allows you to have the authority to make decisions about your classroom and your instruction based on your knowledge of your students, backed by the research. In my math classroom, I always have students describe what they did and why they did it, because it helps them justify their decisions. This is a higher order thinking skill that they will be able to apply in their work in later schooling and in life. And this applies to us too. When we know the scientific research behind what we do, we can defend it. We can justify it. We can provide context and back it up with science to parents, administrators, or any other stakeholders. And that being said, whenever I've worked with teachers and I've asked them about an instructional choice... I always listen for the why. If you have a solid reason why you're doing something that is backed by evidence, 
then you're likely going to earn the respect to try it in your classroom. Evidence could be your what you know about your students, your knowledge of students, or scientific studies, or information, data, observations from your past work. So before you enter into using any new instructional strategy or change what you're doing, make sure it's a research-based instructional strategy. Like I said, I've thought about this a lot lately. Again, Sold the Story has really spurred this conversation about what we believed and what we were told worked and what we were, you know, kind of sure that good teaching in ELA was. And I really want this episode to help you choose research-based instructional strategies for math instruction. And that being said, research-based instructional strategies is not just a curriculum. Curriculum can and should be research-based. However, we have to be wary that it is truly research-based. We also have instructional strategies that we use to teach the curriculum. And those may include things like student discussions, small groups, inquiry, and in my case, CGI. Those instructional practices should also be research-based. So as you start to consider what strategies you'll use or what curriculum you're looking for, I want to point you in the direction of some research resources that I found helpful. Ed Reports is an independent nonprofit um, organization that's committed to ensuring all students have access to high quality instructional materials. So they publish free reports on K-12 instructional materials, and they have educators like my friend Kristen from More Than Just X. You can find her on Instagram, but she's been a part of these kind of teacher panels that have reviewed curriculum. And they measure like standards alignment, usability, and other like quality criteria for curriculums. And they publish their reports that you can access on their website. And this is a great place to go if you're considering a new curriculum. You're able to search for a curriculum and decide if it meets your school's criteria for what you're looking for for a curriculum. Another place that I think is really important to start, like I said in this whole episode, is the research. A book, a report called Adding It Up from the National Research Council is a report in response to the growing concern that Americans have that American children are not adequate at acquiring the skills and the knowledge and the confidence needed to properly learn math. So because this growing concern, the National Research Council compiled, put together this report. This report offers conclusions based on reviews of research literature on math, teaching, and learning. So in the book's executive summary, they address the connection between education and education research, and I think it's really interesting. Here's what they said. Many education questions, however, cannot be answered by research. Choices about mathematics curriculum and the methods used to bring about that curriculum depend in part on what society wants educated adults to know and be able to do. Research can inform these decisions, but ideas about what children need to know also depend on value judgments based on previous experiences and convictions, and these judgments often fall outside the domain of research. 
So that's on page three of adding it up. So as a society or a community of educators, we have to decide what we want our students to know and be able to do as mathematicians when they leave us. What adding up it up is saying is there isn't one answer that you're going to find in this book, but that we all have to work together to make decisions about what good math learning looks like, who we want our mathematicians to be. And we have to decide that. And then we have to make the decision about the curriculum and the methods based on those decisions and those and the research. Our decisions need to be informed by the most current, relevant, and sound research. And within adding it up, they've reviewed studies that are relevant and sound and generalizable as well as research that converge on particular points of interest. So they're really combining all of this relevant research. But then as a school, if you have not yet created a math vision and thought about what the graduate of your school is like as a mathematician, Now is the time. A math vision goes beyond just, this is our curriculum, or we do this kind of math here. Math curriculums are a tool. They are not how we do math, and they shouldn't be our only tool. We need research-based instructional strategies. So when you're creating your math vision, think about the skills, the knowledge, the mindsets, the demeanor that you want your students to learn and grow in, and hopefully ultimately possess as a graduate of your school. It makes decision-making so much easier because the math vision can guide you and all your stakeholders. You can check out more about math vision informing one. I'll put the link in the show notes, um, and you can grab like information on how to make a math vision, and you can check out my own math vision there. So the goal of this podcast is really just to get you thinking about your instructional practices and your math classroom. Are you researching what is research-based math? If not, it's okay to switch it up and try something different. And if you're not sure where to start, hopefully this podcast has given you some ideas of where to start looking. You all know that I'm all about student-centered math, but what does that even actually mean and is it research-based? You can check out the article I wrote for Middleweb where I break down the parts of student-centered math, but essentially it means that students' thinking is at the center. It's based on that research of cognitively guided instruction from the book, Children's Mathematics, but essentially it's the classroom routines, the community, the instructional practices that enhance students' thinking. We get a lot of time to our students to think, to talk about their thinking, and then build on what they're thinking in a student-centered classroom. And this is all done through instructional strategies such as facilitating student-led discussions and using math word problem workshop. These are research-based instructional strategies that we use to bring our math curriculums to life making them engaging and empowering for our students, for our students to trust themselves as mathematicians. Being a student-centered math classroom is somewhere where everyone can do math, no matter the school or the curriculum. So if you want to know more about a student-centered math class, you can get my free ebook at monamath.com slash ebook. And inside you'll get my five best tips for starting or enhancing a student-centered math classroom. 
But I just hope that this episode has helped you think about how you can make sure that you're justifying your decisions in your math classroom through making sure you are using research-based instructional practices. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.